Working out is just half the equation to living a healthy lifestyle. Nutrition is the other half. You should be a complete trainer. By mastering nutrition with the National Academy of Sports Medicine, you can become just that. As a certified nutrition coach, you'll be able to provide guidance to clients seeking to improve their body composition, athletic performance, and their health through carefully crafted nutrition programs that take age, culture, socioeconomic status, and more into account. Why wait? Start helping clients live their healthiest lives. Sign up for your nutrition certification today at nasm.org slash cnc or call 1-800-460-6276. You're listening to The Strong Mind, Strong Body, the podcast that brings fitness and wellness together with your host, fitness and mental health expert, Angie Miller, part of the NASM Podcast Network. Hey everyone, I'm Angie Miller and welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body series. I'm so happy you joined us here. Um, I have a good friend and also a fellow NASM master instructor with me today. So we are gonna talk about how reinvention can be your, your guide to greater success. So Josh is the perfect entrepreneur to have on this show because he is a person who has always liked to have multiple income streams. So it's one thing to pivot from being an in-person to an online trainer. It's another thing to actually generate that into having multiple income streams and growing a huge kind of global brand. So I'm super excited to have Josh on with us today. And one thing I do wanna say is always feel free to add in your questions, join in on the conversation because we see if you ask a question and we would definitely like to address it while we're here on this show. So Josh, I'd like to have you introduce yourself. Thank you, Angie. Um, yes, my name is Josh Gonzalez. Uh, I am from Texas. Uh, let's see here. I've been in the fitness industry now for a long time, an old dog to this. Uh, I think I started my first jump into personal training in 97. So it's been a long time from there. I've done several things in fitness. Uh, I was very lucky enough to uh, to become colleagues with Angie Miller and that great staff from NESM uh, several years ago. And um, so far, so good. Even through the, the pandec- pandemic and all the problems we're, we're going, I've still found ways to kind of push myself out of the, the comfort box, I guess you could say, um, and move into different venues and, and still push forward and, and make it a, a positive 2020. Yeah, you definitely have. And you know, Josh, that's what made me think of you is because again, it's not just about pivoting from one-on-one training to being, um, to, you know, going online. You've actually decided to build kind of this dynamic brand with a lot of income streams. But really what I want to know is what was your humble beginnings? Like what was your very first start? Tell us, where you started and how that went for you and what made you pivot from that into a different place? Well, when I was going to school um, back in 96, 97, it's kind of when um, physical therapy re- really was taking on a very good, uh, a very good role in, in, in as far as a good career. Um, and the wait to get in that school was so long. It's like, I just don't want to wait a year and a half to try to get in. I'm just going to go ahead and jump in. I always worked out and I enjoyed it. So what I did was um, I actually went in and got a job at a small uh, at a small training center. And that's when I started. Um, And it was very funny because the lady that ran it was this wonderful woman and very smart. But 
she told me one thing that absolutely slapped me across the face. And I, I think every trainer needs this. <clears throat> I walked in, applied. She's going, she said, you're hired. But she said, I'm not here to help you. You're here to help me. Um, and she left, walked out the gym door. And that was it. That was my interview. And that was that was my gym at that point. And I was like, what does she mean by I'm here. You're not here to help me. You're, I, I mean, I'm not here to help you. You're here to help me. And as I sat there and thought about it, I figured out that what she meant was I got to go get my own work. It wasn't this type of uh, work where, hey, hey, Josh, here's a client. Here's a client. Here's a client. I'm going to help in, educate you, instruct you on how to be a great trainer. She just said go. <clears throat> so right then and there, I figured out if I really want to make a living and survive, I better get to it. And the crazy thing about all this, when it, I decided to jump into personal training, I had quit a full-time gig. All right, I was making, you know, at that time for a, for a young man, I was making about $37,000 a year. I was like, to my wife, I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit work. I'm going to go full board personal training. I'm, I'm, I love it, blah, blah. And then I got hit with that. So I had to quickly figure out that I need to hustle in order to make it. So that was my very first venue, 97 Point Black, slap, slap to the face. And that slap to the face made me learn how to hustle business and do what I do well. Yeah, I actually love that. Cause you know what, if I had to give, if I, you know, there's a lot of words, you're humble, but you also are really good at a hustle. And so, right. you know, it's kind of funny because <laughs> you put you in that position. And if you were used to making 37,000 a year, like you said, back in 97, you mm -hmm. left uh, security, right? So if, right, if somebody right. takes that, if you give up that security and somebody says, go out there and get it, you don't have a choice, but to go out there and get it. Right. I had to. And, and the kind of the interesting part about that is like back then we didn't have social media. Right. It was just TV and radio. Um, I had TV and radio and that was way too expensive as far as putting money into something to, to brand yourself. And, and the newspaper was still kind of expensive. So I did this. This is great. So you young trainers that are listening to this, there used to be this thing called a, a phone book. Right. Remember that? Thing called <laughs> it, was a, it was just I used to hit people across the, with this thing. Right. So I would take it and I would I would start my day. And, and the crazy thing about it, she never even said, hey, you need to be here at this time to this time. Nothing. She just said, you're hired. Come, come from work. So I got there eight to five. That's a normal work day. Right. I just got there eight to five. It's like, what would you like me to do? She says, I'm leaving. I'll be back later. I was like, OK. So as I sat there, it's like, I guess I need to hustle and get work. So I got the phone book out. I licked my lips, finger, and I stuck my finger in that phone book and I just flipped it open and I put my finger on a number. Whatever number that was, I called. I said, hey, how are you? I'm trying to reach Mr. So-and-so. My name is Josh Gonzalez. I'm a new personal trainer in town. Click. Right. They hung up on me. Try, try again. So I did it over and over and over it all day. Right. But finally, that one day I got one client. I got that one client and I said, hey, I said, I'm such and such. I said, I am offering one free personal training session if you buy one. And they took it. They took that one training training session. And from there, I was able to book several sessions. And from that one client and me going back to that phone book on a daily on a daily measure, I was able to actually go full time in less than six months. And for a new personal trainer in six months to go from zero clients to full, you know, 
30 to 32 hours of PT work. That's fantastic, right? It's fantastic. Oh, for sure. Um, so just doing that hustle of getting on the phone and calling and calling, it did two things for me. It made me hustle, but actually made me learn how to sell. Um, and as and you, you know, this is that as a new personal trainer that comes into the market, they come in with this enjoyment of, hey, I want to share this wonderful thing of fitness. I love doing it. I love people. I want to be able to teach and educate. But the one thing they don't realize is that there is a huge backside to personal training. You got to be a great marketer. You got to be, be even better salesman. Uh, you got to be a therapist like yourself there. You got to be able to listen and be conscious of what they're telling you. Uh, and then you got to be able to provide results. You can't be that one trainer that just listens and listens and listens. And, and they're saying, hey, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. And then all of a sudden you forget about telling them about diet. You're not listening at that point. So by doing that, it made me really become a good personal trainer at an early age. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. when I think about hustle, I also think about, you know, you got hungry. You are hungry, not just for clients and not just for revenue, but you are hungry to be a success. And I think that you're right. There's there's a backside to being a personal trainer. It isn't just about getting clients in there. It's about being a good educator, a good marketer, um, a good, you know, a good salesperson, like you said. And then you have to have that that compassion and that empathy and that ability to listen and hear what they're saying to you because every single person is gonna to come to you with different needs. So when you reached right. out and you put your finger on that person, that first gentleman who came to you, I'm sure had a, a totally different set of needs than the 32 other clients that you ended up with at that time. Absolutely. Uh, that's why I tell most trainers is like, hey, listen, you are a chameleon. Every day you're a chameleon. So you have to adapt and become somebody different with every client. Um, you know, my population now is athletes and I'm 47 and I'll be training a kid that's 13, 14, 15, all the way up to college level. And I've got to adapt to their conversation and who they're talking to. And I've got to become that person. So when I train that 13, 14 year old, they're looking at me with a little bit of tension, insecurity. And I've got to bring myself down to that, their level where it's fun and they're like, man, Josh is cool, you know. So I don't want to be that coach, this, this, because they're not going to enjoy it. I want them to love fitness. Uh, so, yeah, you have to get, you have to change. You have to adapt. You have to have so many roles. And I think that's adaptation and change and chameleon effect that I can give. I think that's been one of the biggest fortes of me reinventing myself and doing multiple different small businesses that uh, have grown. And I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Yeah, absolutely. Because part of being that chameleon is kind of seeing what's going on out there in the world and in the industry and being able to adapt and mold yourself to whatever the needs are. So it still fits what your passion is. You're still, you know, staying in your wheelhouse and staying with your original line of work and the thing that you always wanted to do, which was to help people. But you can just you can kind of find a different way to do that, depending on what the market is doing. So this right. gal, I have to know one thing before we move on. Are you still in touch with her or still in contact with her? You know, here's the crazy thing. I still train that person till that this day. No way. That's the first guy you mean? It, I, I don't know what it is, but the majority of my clients that start with me, I have a high retention rate. I, I, have, a good, I have at least 15 to 20 to 30 clients that, that have been with me for over 10 years. Yeah. Over 10 Super years. Cool. So they've actually seen me kind of grow up, but they're still yeah. at it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
stay with that for a minute. You do know what that is. What do you think is your secret to success? What do you think is the retention rate? The reason why people want to stay with you and don't want to leave you. What do you, if you had to give it one or two words, what is it that makes a trainer be able to hold on to people and keep those people for a long period of time? Okay, great question. Cause I've asked myself that 20 different times, right? And I know the answer. I okay. give a hundred percent to that client every single time they come in there. Okay. Now that hundred percent may skew and change and it, it may metamorphosize into different de uh, modalities depending on that person. Um, but yeah, when they come in, I go to them, we talk, we have a good time. We're focused on what we want to do. We're driven to that point. But as far as like the connection I have with that person, the interaction we're having, uh, the amount of work that I'm putting in towards that person, it's the exact same attitude that I had when I was so energetic to meet them the very first day. And that's key because as I know, and I've seen this and Angie, you've seen it too, that training, personal trainers get in there and um, a lot of times they're super excited. And as they go through their lifespan as personal training, they start to kind of get kind of lax in the way they train and the way they interact with that client. Um, and they get somewhat content. They get content with that individual and they forget that, hey, that person's paying me for a certain service and I need to deliver 199% of that service every single day because they're still paying the same rate, right? They're still paying yeah. you. The, the pay rate has not gone down since they started training you. So if they're paying you $100, $150 an hour, you better give them $10,000 worth of effort every single day. And if you can do that, what happens is now you've beaten every single competitor out there that's in your field and no one can ever compare. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what? People pick up on it. People pick up on it if you're only giving them 10% versus giving them yeah. 100%. You know, we are, our, our intuition is, is good. And so your clients know whether or not you're giving it all you've got or whether or not you're just showing up, right? So Josh, you you get through this first experience and you have this, you know, this woman who throws you out to the wolves, so to speak, which is probably the best thing that ever happened to you. Where do you go next? What inspires you to make the next move? Hey, Angie, you cut off right there. Can you say that again for me? Yeah, absolutely. So you get there, you know, this woman kind of throws you to the wolves, so to speak. What inspires you to to move on, to, you know, take it to the next level? Because some people, you know what, they like to keep it simple. They like to stay comfortable. But you, you, you don't stay comfortable for too long. So what, what made you go, you know, a different direction? Did I cut out on you again? Uh, you know what? I think that's me. I, I think that's my, my personality. Um, so when things begin to normalize and get streamlined and, and everything is going great, I get bored. I get upset. I'm, I'm, I get almost semi-depressed. So let's say my business is doing great. Everything's in place. Things are going normal. I'm going through my daily habitual workouts with clients. Business is going well. My, my classes are doing good. All my sales are good. If that stays normal, I somewhat get depressed. And I was like, OK, you know, things are going great, but I've got to do something different. And that just may be my personality. If I'm if I'm bored with business, business really excites me. 
thing that gets me motivated is building a brand, building a new concept. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's why I enjoy teaching so much with NASM. When I'm out teaching and giving lectures, you know, I can connect and really bring out something. It's an enjoyable factor for me. But when I'm working and I'm looking to develop a new brand, new business, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just in fitness, I get really excited and then I get motivated and I work at a heightened level and I get these now real fast. Um, so that is me. But I will give you you guys that are listening to your new trainers a huge su suggestion. And Andy, I think we talked about this. There's no one in the entire world. And I may be wrong. That ever said, hey, I want to be a hundred air. Right. That, 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 nobody ever said that. I don't want to be a hundred air. OK. With one on one personal training. You will eventually get to the point where your income stops. It cannot go any higher. Why? Because you can't work enough hours in the day. You may be completely stacked. There are people outside of you that are wanting to meet with you. But you know what? You just don't have time for them. And that happened to me at one time. So the first time that I noticed I needed to change um, and develop a new system uh, was early on in my career. So I think it was about after about a year, after about one year of training in that ladies center, I was completely stacked from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. with clients. Um, but what happened, there was a good buzz going around town. Hey, you guys have met Josh. He's super cool. Good results. He's a great trainer, blah, blah, blah. So I started having lots of calls about, Josh, can I can I meet with you? Absolutely. Do you have that 5 p.m. spot? Sorry, it's already been taken. So I started turning away a lot of clients that wanted to train with me. OK, that's that's something that I think is very common uh, with many trainers. So I could have said, too bad, I'm done or I revamped. So. In most training centers, now mine may be different. In most training centers, you can't say, hey, I'm going to sublease my clients to other trainers. You have to go somewhere else. You have to spin off. So in order for me to double, triple my revenue, I had to leave that fitness center. I had to leave. I had to, I had to go. So I was fortunate enough to uh, make a contract with the local, uh, local um, country club to start my own first small center. And that worked fantastic. So from there, I resourced two new trainers, got two new trainers, and I gave them my entire existing clientele. Hmm. Who does that, right? I was like, I'm gonna give you all my clientele and I'm gonna restart. So then I guess my second revenue stream was, my first one was I had to brand my name. Okay, in about a year, I branded my name. People knew who I were and was in town. Things were going great. I brought in two instructors that I gave my clients to. And then my second business was to brand their name underneath my my overall cat. Um, my name, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> so my job then was to make sure that they had a lot of clients and they went full time. So I got a cut of every one of their clients. So. I took a big pay cut, but in less than six months, I was back to where I was with an empty load. Makes sense, right? Well, so and actually, I Josh, knowing your personality, that's kind of where you like to be. I think that giving all your clients away not only empowered you to build your brand by building people underneath you, 
But it also really resonates with what you love to do, which is to take on a big chunk of challenge. And so giving your clients away made you reprove yourself out there in the market and see if you still had it, so to speak, and see if you could build from scratch. And you already said that's so much of what drives you. And people like you and I are super driven by a challenge. So we actually, you giving away your client load not only enabled you to get that brand bigger, but it gave you what you thrive off of the most, which is that challenge, right? Right, right. And it was a great way to prove myself as like, hey, yeah. now I can make more money. I can help build other trainers up, teach them a system and not turn people away not turn people away. And that's just huge. Right. So we got to start bringing in people that are better trainers than, than us to, to work underneath us and help us out because uh, in, in a sole proprietor, as, as most trainers are, eventually you want to take yourself to from sole proprietor, self-employed to some type of business. Right. So business means you've got uh, a corporate, a corporation where you have three or four people that are, are there to help you that way. If you wanted, if I wanted to take off two weeks and go to, Fiji and hang out. I'm not broke for two weeks, right? I still have income coming down. And that is critical for personal trainers to understand. It's a huge jump. It's a huge jump. But if you're confident with who you are, your sales, your marketing, how good your product is, it will always work out. And one thing that I've always kind of stuck to my guns is if you start something, and you just work at it and work at it and work out, eventually it will develop into something big. Um, so uh, from there, I developed, um, I guess my own small fitness program as far as like group training program. And I was able to market that and take it to a big level as well. <laughs> so once I got my clients going, my, my trainers moving in the right direction with PT work, then I was like, you know what? How can I make more money per hour versus just doing one client at a time? So then I started my first test series as far as a group training class. And, and it was somewhat like a boot camp, I guess you could say. Uh, but it was more like a weight loss challenge program. Um, and uh, my first turnout, it was fantastic. Again, no social media, right? So you guys that, that are listening to this, that are trainers, this is probably my biggest hustle ever right here. OK, it, was, it turned out so good, Angie. It was awesome. All right. So. I was like, OK, I'm going to do a weight loss challenge. OK, I'm going to go market this to women. OK, so you guys that are listening to this, you guys that are listening to this, if you're talking to women on weight loss, they're not going to connect with you. Why? Because they're not going to look at you and go, I want to look like Josh. Right. It's not going to work. Right, Angie. I want to take Angie Miller with me. Right. I want to take a young lady that looks fit. And when I speak to women, all she has to do is stand beside me because they're going to look at me and go, they're going to look at you and go, Angie, do you train with Josh? And you're going to go, mm hmm. And then they're going to buy in. So what I did is once a week. So I planned this program to start in six months. So once a week, I call local businesses that had several women in there. So, for instance, hairstylist, nurses. And I said, hey, can I come in and give you guys a free lecture at your facility where I can just talk to you about fitness, weight loss and give you guys some tips? They never turned it down. They never turned it down. So from there, I'd go, I'd speak for an hour and, or 30 minutes. And at the end of it, I'd sell them this pitch. 
I say, hey, I'm starting a weight loss program, blah, blah, blah. If you commit today, it's this price. If you don't, it's this price. It's guaranteed results. If you are not happy with the results, I'll give you 100% of your money back. Well, after I talked to one business a week for over six months, I ended up having like 60 something people sign up for this challenge. So 60 people times $800 a pop for a four month program. I'll let you guys do the math on that. It was extremely profitable. And Angie Miller asked me how many hours that I worked in front of that crew. How many hours did you work in front of that crew, Josh? Zero. I did not work one hour with that with that crew. Why? Because I had a staff of trainers that took over. All I did was write curriculum. I connected with the people. I did the weigh-ins. I was all the back-end work. So yeah. now I went from having PT work. Then I trained my PTs to do large group classes. And all I was doing is making sure people were walking in door. So that was right. really, really good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the thing you took, you, you took, you do what you do best, which is business development, right? You were a great trainer and you knew you were a great trainer, but any great trainer wants to grow what they do. Any great trainer wants to share more of what they do with more people. That's what drives your success. So you took that brand and you handed it to other people and fostered their success under your name. So I can't think of a better way to get your name out there and to help more people. So, you know, right. that's pretty powerful, but I have to ask you something. So along this journey, because you've reinvented yourself a lot, and what makes you hungry is is these challenges, right? Not everybody is is hungry for challenges. The minute you get comfortable, you're a lot like me. You want to try something different and take it to the next level to kind of prove to yourself that you you've got what it takes. So, what what was some of your most humbling moments? Or give me one really humbling moment along the way that where you felt like you fell flat on your face and somehow you got back up again. Okay. Um, well, I've got, a, I've got a few of those. Okay. So just remember, if you don't try, you're never going to make it. So there are a lot of times you're going to fail, but if you try, you try, you move on to the next one. Uh, so when I was, when, when, when I started these fitness classes, so I worked at a country club and that was such a great gig for me because I didn't have any overhead you know, they, they, they were in charge of closing and, and opening the facility. Um, but when things were going great, Things were going great. I was making great money. It was easy management. Uh, they told me to leave. They said, Josh, we have bad news for you. Uh, the facility just got purchased by a new owner and they do not want fitness incorporated into their country club. They want to go back to the old school ways. You have three months to get out. <laughs> so when they told me that, I was like, dang, what am I going to do? I've got a mortgage. I've got a family. What am I going to do? Am I going to go back? Taste. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> you don't know me that way. <laughs> so what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I could have just as easily went back and got a different job or went back to a traditional gym to work. But me being kind of self-insured in the qualities that I have and, and the work that I wanted to do, I was like, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to go ahead and just open my own standalone center. So right then I had to make the choice of like, how are we going to do this? Uh, so I was extremely humble because at one time, at, that was the first time in life where I was really lost. I didn't know what to do. I was really worried. I was like, what am I going to do? I've got a full staff of, of trainers that I'm taking care of as far as, you know, getting their clients. And then I have all my clients. What am I going to tell them? 
right? So I ended up saying, coming clean. I was like, hey, guys, listen, we've got to leave in three months. I understand if you want to go somewhere, trainers, you, have, you might have to go fend for yourself. But if you give me three months, I'm going to try to get the spot. So uh, I did. I was able to secure uh, my first gym. Um, I bought all the equipment. I learned how to, to take care of the management part of the as far as how do I get the loans for this equipment? How much should I spend? Um, and I went into my first training center. It was great. It was kind of a uh, what the kids call it now bougie training center. <clears throat> and after about six months, Angie, uh, in my gym, I realized that I was not going to make it. Six months, I was in Tuba looking at my gym and I understood what it was to be a business owner versus I just had gotten lucky in the past. I knew it was like, okay, before this, I never had overhead. Now I have a five to $7,000 monthly payment for mortgage, for, uh, for, my, for my lease building. And I also have equipment, uh, equipment insurance, staff, and I realized I wasn't going to make it. So I had to step back and I had to figure something out. And I was like, I can't keep doing the same old, same old because I'm not going to make this. So that is when I developed my very first niche. OK, my very first niche. Um, I looked around and at that time, CrossFit was coming up and it was getting a great buzz. But I wasn't too comfortable with the CrossFit brand. Uh, so I was able to study it under another platform. I brought into my town, my city, the very first kind of higher intensity style of group training format, uh, which is my caveman training program. And I branded the dog out of that. I went up against schools. I talked to schools. I talked to doctors. Uh, and I will tell you this. There's a huge hurdle that I had to overcome because of the way the program looked. It was not air conditioned, nice and neat and clean. You know, it wasn't water sips. I had to really brand it to where this is your next level of training. And Angie, did I do things wrong? Yeah, I did a lot of wrong things. I didn't follow the perfect NASM structured workout. You know, I hate to say it, but I did not follow. I had to throw a little crazy in there. I had to throw a lot of crazy in there. But that craziness was able to brand my program to where there was a buzz in town. I was like, hey, have you tried this crazy caveman training program? And even till this day, I'm branding that brand and it's like the different workout. So if you didn't want to do this workout, go try caveman training. Um, the only difference now is I've made my program very, very smart using all the NASM variables. Okay. So that branding of that type of group training program actually got me over that hump and it and it still follows me to this day and it's still one of my most popular programs well you know what it's really not far removed from everything you've said all along which is just to kind of step completely outside of your comfort zone and uh try something different try something unique and different you know you you had realized that during the situation you thought it was going to be amazing it didn't go the way you expected but instead of laying down and giving up and walking away you were like you know what I am a good business person. I just haven't been put to this type of challenge before. I haven't had this type of overhead. So I got to step into a completely different arena and try something that I haven't tried before. And I have to make it different and unique and something that people in this community have never seen before. And that's part of that marketing strategy that you talked about at the very beginning. Show yourself to be good at being that chameleon, 
knowing what's in their market, but more importantly, knowing what's not in their market. Right. You know, right. knowing what no one's ever done before, what people are missing, and then mm -hmm. finding that space and saying, I can fit in there. I can find right. a way to get in there and make something of something that these people have never seen before. Right. So so that was, I guess, if, you, if we're calling this reinvention, that was my one, two, third or fourth reinvention from personal trainer to personal trainer manager, from personal trainer manager to beginning of group training and now to branding a group trap branding a group training program to where it's successful and, and going nationwide um and from there angie miller i guess another big mistake that i had was i i was thinking all right i'm good i got this figured out let's go to a different city so i opened my first or my second gym in another city okay and this is where I learned an extremely valuable tool and very important tool is that when you're a personal trainer and everybody loves you, you can't be in two places at one time. You just cannot do it. So my second gym for the first two years, I was there every day. I was working I don't know how many hours was working. It was so much workload. My wife and I were just tag teaming both centers and it was going great. But just like, you know, when people find you entertaining and they like who you are, they want to walk in the door and go, where's Josh? I want Josh to coach me. I want Josh to do this. Right. They love my type of style of training. So that Jim, even though it was successful, it ended up failing for me. It ended up failing for me because one, I got really tired. I got really tired of being in two spots. Um, I got tired of the late days. I was working 16 to 18 hour days, and that is very hard to keep up. So I brought in other people to try to emulate what I do, and it just didn't work out. So luckily, I was able to sell that gym, um, and those people were took it over, and I think it's doing well. But I learned a very valuable lesson in, I guess you can call it multiple gyms or franchising that now I have passed on to my newest venture, the push code. Um, and I think I've got it figured out. I think I got What's it. Figured that? Out. All right. So what is it? All right. So it's called scalability. All right. So scalability uh, is one of the most important terms in business. You've got to be able to have, something that is written one, two, three, four, five, if you want to grow and you need to be able to take that product, take it to a different town and implement those same steps and let it grow. And it can do the exact same thing. So what I did with the push code was um, I was able to develop a fantastic workout program uh, that doesn't require my coaching for it to perform well. Yeah. So this is something that I sat and I, and I, and I, when I was developing this program, I was like, okay, I told my coaches to listen, when we develop this program, I don't want any stars. I don't want any stars. I don't want the five o'clock PM class taught by me to be the most popular class. I don't want that because if I want to go on vacation or if I don't want to work anymore that week, that class attendance is going to do what, Angie? It's going to drop, right? It's going to drop. So with that mindset, 
when I develop my program, I want to be able to give every individual the exact same feeling, outcome, personality through the workout, not so much through the coach. Now, that is completely the opposite direction yeah, of exactly. most fitness programs, right? Because I know in the past, when, I, when I've taught different classes and I'm showing my coach, I said, listen, bring it, brother. When you're teaching this class, bring it. I want high intensity. I want you to bring it. I want people to cry. I want people to enjoy it. But on this part, I was like, Mm-mm, I don't want to star. I want the workout. I want the machines to be the star. You're the director. All right. So now we call my guys directors. Um, so this type of format or this concept that I'm using has worked extremely well because now all my classes are pretty much even with the attendance and it doesn't matter who teaches it and yeah. everybody's getting the exact same feeling. And that's what scalability is because they all can take my program, throw it into New York city and it's going to work the same. Well, here's the thing, Josh, you kind of picked up on something that's happening all across the kind of group fitness model, which is kind of that branded programming where they're recognizing that if you have a star, then if something happens and that star goes on vacation, then the program, program takes a big ding. And so you're kind of taking a page out of that book and saying, let's make it about the program, not the person leading it. And then the person leading it just adds value added, right? That's just a value added program. Because if Josh goes in there and leads that program, at the end of the day, you can, you can scale a program and you can develop a program, but you can't. Sometimes the one thing that we can't teach people, we can teach people the science, but we can't teach people personality. Right. So at the end of the day, I always say, you know, cream rises to the top. So even when you do programs like that, my guess would be what you're going to find is those trainers who have just a very charismatic personality and who draw people to them are still probably going to have bigger classes and have a greater draw than some of those other classes. But still, all in all, you're right. It's a more uh, leveled program, so to speak. It's a program that can be taken a lot of different places and still be successful. Right. Yeah. So so when I originally built this program, you know, this was my was my franchise model. I was like, you know what? The one thing that all trainers want and I was I was one of the main ones. I want my own gym. They all say that. Right. I want my own gym. I want to be a great trainer, but I want to own my own gym. Owning a, your own gym is is a hard, hard business because there's so much competition. You have so many so many big business out there that can put a gym right beside you. And that can just completely kill you. And it's funny because one of the, the nation's biggest gyms open as fitness center. I'm literally one door frame from my gym. And uh -huh. even though they've opened, my business has thrived. Um, and it may have a lot to do with that. So when I built my, my, my push code program, I was really developing a program for a personal trainer who's like, you know what? I'm ready to open my own gym. And then I say, stop wait, stop. Do you have a brand? Do you have a niche? Do you have all these things that you're ready to throw into it? And do you have 20 hours that you want to invest of your time on the daily? Right. And they all go, no. I was like, well, wait, you can't just do this off of, I want to do something. You got to have a plan. So this program, hopefully, eventually, you know, once we get past this pandemic, if things are going back to norm, you know, 
trainers can find a good product they can put in place, run a system, have a great successful gym uh, and then do their back end work and they'll be super positive. So, you know what, Josh, I really appreciate that. I think that that's why I wanted to have you on today, because I think that you're a great story for reinvention. And I think that the world, you know, we're in a space right now where we all need to do a little bit of reinvention. Everybody's uncomfortable. So it's a perfect time to find a place where we all fit in and find a way to kind of shift our business model and find a way to uh, meet the needs of clients, but also at the end of the day, put food on the table, right? So right. I would say that if I, you know, the the top things that I heard from you today is as a trainer, you have to be more than a trainer. You have to know more than the science. You have to have a great big personality. You have to be hungry. You have to be really good at marketing. You have to be a good educator and you have to be willing to swallow a piece of pie once in a while. And when you do, when you fall flat on your face, it doesn't mean you need to get down and go into a completely different our business it just means that you need to reframe and think about what's my next move you know where is there space or a niche that i can find my way into so i can reinvent myself and i think reinvention is huge this is the world this is the time to reinvent so josh thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story um i wish you great success with the push code and in everything that you do moving forward and i can't wait for you and i to get back out there and be able to teach those nasm master instructor or those nasm cpt workshops live yes all right. Thank you, Angie. It was fun. I appreciate it. Good luck to everybody. Keep working. Yep. Best to everybody. See you. Uh, have a great weekend, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yep. Thanks.